Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field. Actually, we have two finals. We had a traditional doubleheader today. The final from game one, Indians four, White Sox three. The final from game two, Indians five, White Sox three again. The Indians sweep the doubleheader. Let's talk a little bit about game one first. Again, the Indians win four to three. Aaron Savali gets the win, Dylan Cease takes the loss, and Brad Hand gets his second save of the season. Some highlights from the game. Francisco Lindor gets things going in the first inning, bottom of the first, two-run home run to get the scoring going for the Indians. Uh, They threw him a fastball, and I think Francisco Lindor is proving that he really likes fastballs, and we're going to see a little more of this in game two as well. Uh, he was struggling a little bit hitting breaking balls, change-ups in the dirt. He was kind of flailing a little bit, and they threw him a fastball, and they paid for it. And it's really great to see him get things going from that three-hole. Exactly what we want to see, right? Someone gets on base ahead of him, Hernandez gets on base ahead of him, and Lindor drives him in with a home run. <laughs> the other note from the bottom of the first inning is uh, right after him, Santana got his first hit. Carlos Santana got his first hit of the season, and he had to... Uh, he had to kind of duck under the tag. It was, a, it was a wide throw, and he tripped and fell over the bag because he was running so hard. And it just reminded me of all the old men in old men softball I've seen trip over first base. It happens every Sunday morning somewhere in America. There's an old man tripping over first base trying to beat out a single. And Carlos Santana looked exactly like that. But hey, first hit of the season, he actually went two for two today with two walks. So pretty good, uh, well... Game one for him. Next up for the Indians scoring, it was Bradley Zimmer in the bottom of the second. He hits his first home run of the season. I think it was his first home run, they said, since 2018. Obviously, he's been dealing with injuries and hasn't been around as much to add to that home run total. So it was nice to see him find his power swing, even though I know he's concentrating on sort of his contact swing, right? That's been his approach to the plate, and it pays off in the bottom of the third inning because down in the count with two strikes on him he goes opposite field and gets an RBI in the third and that would prove to be a very crucial RBI It'd be the last run the Indians score and it would prove to be the winning run the White Sox got things going for themselves in the top of the third Anderson Tim Anderson hit a solo home run and we're going to hear a lot about him in this game Also in the bottom of the third, Daniel Johnson got his first major league hit. So that was great to see. And it actually chased the starting pitcher for Chicago, Dylan Cease, out of the game. Cease only went two and a third, gave up seven hits, four earned runs, no walks and a strikeout, and two home runs. So not the first start that Dylan Cease, not the way he wanted to start his 2020 season. Moving on through the game, in the top of the fourth, Aaron Savali gets in a little bit of trouble. He actually ends up loading the bases. He was really starting to miss with his curveball. He was dropping it too soon. He was throwing it low, and they were laying off it. However, once he loads the bases, he gets two ground outs and actually gets out of the inning from that bases-loaded jam, and that's really great to see, right? The fourth inning is exactly when a star could fall apart. It's your second time through the lineup, and to see him hang in there, know he was in trouble, and get those ground balls to get out of it, was really huge for his start. And he ended up going six innings, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, and nine strikeouts. So a big day for Aaron Savali. And that fourth inning definitely could have been a turning point. In the fifth inning, he does give up a run, but he limits the damage. He strikes out Grandal looking. I think he struck out Yasmani Grandal, the catcher for the White Sox, three times today. Grandal did not enjoy facing Savali. 
In the bottom of the sixth, we get our best defensive play of the game. Delmonico in left field takes away a hit from uh, Jose Ramirez at the wall, a great leaping catch. Really, it was the best defensive play of the game one. Uh, for the most part, I, no one even really had to make an attempt at a great play. If it was hit at a fielder, it was hit right at him. And uh, Mike Freeman knows a few things about that because he hit a few smoking line drives directly at White Sox outfielders. So uh, Delmonico definitely had the best defensive play of the game. In the top of the eighth, this was interesting. So Nick Wickgren comes in. First, Karen check comes in, pitches a seventh. Strong inning, three strikeouts. We said a few days ago it was interesting to see the way he lined up the bullpen. And going with Karen check in the seventh definitely shows that Karen check is one of his late inning guys. And we knew he would be. But he strikes out the side after walking the leadoff batter. That is also key. So Wickgren comes in to pitch the eighth, and he gets himself in a little bit of trouble. After he gets one out, he hits the next batter, gives up two sharp singles to load the bases, and you're thinking, oh boy, might be a little bit of trouble here. And I was surprised. His pitch count was starting to get up there a little bit, and clearly these guys were locked in on him. He didn't have the command that we thought when he faced his first batter. So I was surprised Terry Francona stuck with him. You know, we've seen him in the past go to Brad Hand for the long save or, you know, Cody Allen before that for the long save where maybe there's one out, two outs in the eighth inning and they'll come in for a four out, five out save. So I was waiting for it. I was waiting for Hand to come in and I believe there was even some lefties up there and he didn't. He stuck with Wickren and he ended up getting a fielder's choice and then a fly out to left field. So Wickren gets out of a jam too. So a lot of Cleveland Indians pitchers pitching their way out of jams. And Terry Francona not being too quick on the trigger, letting these guys work their way out and see what they got in these stressful situations. Brad Hand pitches the end of the game. He pitches the ninth. Anderson jumps on the first pitch again and gets a big hit. It was his second double of the day, and he would end up coming around to score. Brad Hand didn't pitch terrible. He did give up two hits in that run. He did strike out two, though. He he struck out uh, Encarnacion looking to end the game. And again, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit of a worrisome performance from Hand, but he's still holding it together. He still got the save. Looking over the box score for the Indians, multi-hit games from Cesar Hernandez, Francisco Lindor, Santana, like I said, with two hits. And Zimmer, Bradley Zimmer with two big hits and, like we said, two big RBIs. And for the White Sox, it was really all Tim Anderson. He was three for five today with an RBI and three runs scored. He did strike out twice. When he wasn't hitting, he was striking out. But he had eight total bases between his doubles and his home runs. And clearly, the offense right now for Chicago runs through Tim Anderson. It just wasn't enough to take down the Indians today. My MVP for a day for game one, I got to go with Aaron Savali on this one. He pitched fantastic. He was throwing all five of his pitches, and everything moves. It's incredible. He's got the two-seamer, the cutter, the slider, the curve, the changeup. It seemed like he was getting a lot of strikeouts with that curveball. He was freezing guys, and then and then when he had them leaning in for that curveball, he would freeze them with the two-seam fastball and got a couple of strikeouts looking because of that. And the cutter was also really effective. Throwing the cutter to both corners of the plate, it was really hard for the White Sox pitchers to lock in and get comfortable and try to anticipate what was coming or read the spin because he's got all five pitches working for him. So I, I've heard some people tweeting out and writing in articles that they remind him of Corey Kluber. 
maybe it's because he throws that cutter and Kluber was known for throwing that cutter too and mixing it with a great breaking ball. I think Savali might really be in a class of his own. I don't remember Kluber using five pitches effectively like this. So it's really great to see that our number four star, our number four starter is getting on the strikeout train. Nine strikeouts for him today. And Savali is definitely my MVP for a day. Well, it was a doubleheader, so I'm going to say my MVP for a couple hours because game two, Indians five, White Sox three, Adam Plutko gets the win, Rondon takes the loss. The save actually goes to Cam Hill. And it was his uh, second appearance, and uh, he's already racking up a save. So that's pretty cool. I think they said the last person to do that for the Indians was Vinny Pistano. So, hey, if Cam Hill turns into another P- Vinny Pistano, I'd take that for a few seasons, right? You forget Vinny Pistano was really effective as a setup man for a few years. It was a tale of two games for me as a viewer because the first game I got to watch sitting in my office, I got to watch the whole game on TV. The second game I had to listen to in the car, I had to listen to at, you know, at the grocery store, I had to listen to while playing with the dog. So game two, I definitely did not get to lock in as much on game one, but it didn't matter because the Indians got things going right off the bat. First inning, they put three runs on the board. Back-to-back doubles from Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor. And then Carlos Santana with a big home run, his first home run of the season. He went two for four in this game with two RBI. So four hits on the day for Carlos Santana. Brought his average up to 289 already with a 1,000 OPS. So not bad from going from the first three games, no hits, to now you got a 1,000 OPS. That's pretty good. So it's nice to see Santana get comfortable and find his swing today. So that's three runs for the Indians. The White Sox do answer in the top of the second. The White Sox answers were all solo home runs today. And I got to give Plutko credit on that one. We've talked a lot about crooked numbers, and he limited those crooked numbers. You know, they get a solo home run from McCann in the second inning, and then they get a solo home run from Abreu in the sixth. And yeah, they weren't great pitches, but no one was on base. He didn't walk anybody today, only gave up five hits, two earned runs, four strikeouts. And we don't expect Plucko to be a strikeout guy, right? He's a control guy. He commands the zone. He keeps hitters off balance. And he limited them to solo home runs. So pretty good day from Plucko. The Indians then answer in the fourth. They put two runs across on the fourth. They load the bases. And then Oscar Mercado ropes a single into left field. Famil Reyes and Domingo Santana both come in to score. Mercado has such a quick swing. And you love to see it. You know, he's a, he's a skinny guy. He's got quick hands, quick feet. He's your prototypical center fielder, and he really flashed those hands through the zone and lined the ball in the left field. Beautiful swing and brought in two RBIs. And then Mercado does it with the leather in the top of the eighth inning after the White Sox already had put that one run across. And, you know, it's 5-3 at that point, so we got to clamp down this game. Zach Collins hits a deep fly ball to center field, and Mercado makes an amazing catch, leaping up, catching himself on the wall, and making the catch at the same time. Beautiful play from Oscar Mercado. And if you were watching the TV broadcast, it felt like catches at the wall were kind of the storyline that Underwood and Manning were going with. Because uh, earlier in the game, uh, the center fielder, Robert, for the White Sox, had a chance to make a catch at the wall, and it popped out of his glove. And then Oscar Mercado went back on Abreu's home run and ran out of room. And both times, both center fielders looked like they weren't too comfortable as they approached the wall. So obviously, Rick Manning being a center fielder, they got into a big discussion about it. They start showing old highlights of it. And then 
Oscar Mercado redeems himself in the eighth inning and makes that amazing catch to kind of keep, keep control of the game for the Indians. From the uh, bullpen, it was Simber who pitched the seventh. He had a nice clean inning. Leon pitched the eighth. He gave up that solo home run, but that's okay. He got out of it. And then Cam Hill, like we said, gets that save in the ninth inning. So there you go. That's your report from the doubleheader at Progressive Field. One other thing to note, uh, I know a story is a day or two old, but Corey Kluber had an MRI on Sunday. This is from John Blake, a reporter who covers the Rangers, uh, on Sunday evening, which determined he has a grade two tear of his terrorist major muscle in his back of his right shoulder. He'll be shut down from throwing for a minimum of four weeks and will be placed on the IL. So Corey Kluber goes down for the Texas Rangers. Don't like seeing it. I mean, Corey Kluber was a great pitcher for us, and I think we all wished him well when he went to Texas. I think if you understand the way the Indians operate and you understand the game of baseball, you understand why they made that trade. And clearly this trade is not working for anybody, right? Now Kluber's hurt. Delino DeShields was already on the IL for us, and Emmanuel Classe, of course, suspended for the entire season, which, you know, when we made the trade, we couldn't have known. Hopefully, we didn't know that he would have tested positive for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. So, clearly, nobody is winning this trade, but you understand now, right, why they make this trade, because Kluber was getting up there in age, and his salary just wasn't representative of the production that they expected from him. So... Even though he's been, you know, a legendary pitcher, I'm willing to say that two Cy Youngs, a legendary pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, it was probably time to move on. And if you paid attention to this pitching staff, we still haven't seen Zach Plesac pitch. If you paid attention to this pitching staff, you know that we're in good hands for the future with Shane Bieber and Clevenger and Carrasco being the veteran now, Savali, Plesac, and Plutko. I think we're in pretty good hands as far as starting pitching goes for the future of the Cleveland Indians. So hopefully Kluber can make it back. He, They said if he comes back, he might pitch in relief maybe, but hopefully he comes back for 2021 and pitches strong for the Texas Rangers, except when he plays against us. All right. Oh, my MVP for a day. I totally forgot my MVP for a day for game two. My MVP for a day, I'm going with Oscar Mercado. He uh, He had that big hit. That brought in those two runs. They turned out to be the winning runs. And he makes that great catch in center field. So Oscar Mercado gets my MVP for a day. He knocks Aaron Savali off and takes over his MVP for a day. And we'll see who takes that title tomorrow. So I said you guys could reach out to me on Twitter at Davey Barris. If you have any thoughts, any comments you want me to read on the show. Jeff from Chicago, you may remember him as our first caller. He tweeted at me the story about what's happening down in Miami with the Marlins players testing positive for COVID-19. He says, Davey, what happens when something like this happens? Uh, Corey from Columbus responded, a Facebook contest for new players. And uh, it might come to that. Um, I said, I think they scout old men's softball games for new talent. I hear there's a Florida man hitting over 800 with 47 home runs in just one weekend. And if you've ever played old man softball, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I there's a reason they kept kind of 60 guys active, right? There There's 30 guys on the active roster, but there's another 30 guys at a minor league site somewhere for Cleveland. They're at Lake County and they're staying in baseball shape and they're playing and they're staying competitive. 
And I think it's for this reason. If I think the number is up to like 15 players or something like that. If you need to take away half a roster and sit a team down for a week, you have 15 players that you could bring in, in theory. I don't think they ever expected it to be this high. Uh, apparently, somebody went out at night, and that's the reason why this happened to Miami. And, you know, they kind of took their eye off baseball for a moment. So hopefully that's a lesson to everybody out there. I still see these guys are not all wearing their masks. They all kind of have their own rules for how they're wearing their masks and stuff like that. And um, hopefully they understand that if they take it serious, they can have a baseball season. So what happens, Jeff? I, it sounds like they're shutting Miami down for a full week. And I think you're going to you, – you'll either see a lot of minor leaguers come up and play for Miami or you'll see Miami forfeit or not get to play in a lot of games. So that's my thoughts on the Miami story. And thanks, Jeff, for the tweet. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field, game one. Indians 4, White Sox 3, Game 2, Indians 5, and White Sox 3 again. You can follow me on Twitter, at Davey Barris. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show, and we'll play them back on air. Respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning.